couple years ago, I was sitting down, uh, taking a break from my job at The Athletic Media Company, and uh, I was drinking a non-alcoholic beer from Athletic Brewing, and I thought, uh, hey, this this could be a partnership because I'm, I'm an ad wizard, and so I put those two things together, and took a couple years, but now I get to read ads for Athletic Brewing and uh, their non-alcoholic beers, and I'm excited about it. And I'm excited about it because I like the product. I like the product for a variety of different reasons. There are times where I'm uh, the designated driver, and that is, it's perfect for me. I don't feel like I'm, I'm missing out on a whole lot. There are also times where I'm not the designated driver, but it's going to be a long day of gabbing, and I don't necessarily need to have 10 IPAs in a row. So I will mix in an athletic, non-alcoholic beer, and I, I feel like I don't miss a beat, and it allows me to pace myself uh, the way I want to do it. It's perfect for beach days, music festivals, and baseball games, camping, late nights. Uh, they have a ton of different varieties. They have uh, light. They have upside uh, Don Golden. They have Run Wild IPA. They have a hazy IPA. They have summer seasonals. They've got a, a lemon Rattler ripe pursuit. I don't even know what a Rattler is, but now I want to try it. I feel bad that I haven't tried it. So this summer, ask for the only non-alcoholic beer you need to know, Athletic. Head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use the code TA2024 to get 15% off your first online order. That's code TA2024 at checkout for 15% off. It's near beer, non-alcoholic beer, and it tastes Listen, I grew up with some funky ones. Uh, those didn't taste like beer. This tastes like this. This is good non-alcoholic beer. Uh, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. Hope you are cooking breakfast right now. Hope you're enjoying your Sunday morning. We are wrapping up your Saturday night. I'm here with Ari Wasserman. Mostly this is a proof of life episode. We wanted to make sure everybody knew that Ari was okay after eating the death chip. Ari, please let everybody know. Hold up the newspaper and let everybody know you're all right. I don't have a newspaper, but I'm here. And um, Alabama and Florida played a close game. So there, there's your proof that we're in the future. Exactly. I had a lot... Anybody who saw the video saw me struggling big time. And I got to say, I was anticipating it being really, really hot. The thing I was not anticipating was that it was going to last for as long as it did. Like, it's one thing to be to be super hot and have like a, a tough few minutes. But my mouth was on fire an hour later. Like I was in the shower under a cold, cold uh, stream drinking <laughs> oh milk gosh. out of a Yeti. And here's the thing that's the <laughs> toughest part. You need milk to survive it, right? Like you that's the right. only thing that can that'll cool you down in but your you mouth. You can't drink too much milk too fast. But if you drink too hurts. much milk, you get a stomach ache and then of course the following day is interesting. Now, without getting into too much details, I think from anybody who's ever eaten this chip or is considering eating this chip, and I don't want to be gross. I'm sorry <laughs> if it is. I don't know which day was worse. Does it feel the same way coming out as it did going in? Yes. And I don't know which one was worse. <laughs> so like, I was, oh everybody was laughing at me 
uh, on on Twitter the day after we published it. That's all well and good, but like it wasn't like over for me until Saturday morning. So we because like the the milk upsets your stomach. I mean, I drank a half a gallon of milk, yeah. and I would have drank more because I only bought a half gallon, and it wasn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> so I forget, you don't have kids yet you you don't have just keep milk by the gallon at your yeah house, we had like, almond like we milk do. but i wasn't in a position where i was able to chug almond milk so it was uh it was certainly <laughs> oh a, a fascinating night but finally like once the it was right under my tongue and i was like mm. i don't know because like as i was in the shower i had had uh, moments of like really really hating you and it's like now <laughs> If we have more bets or when we have more bets, I might bring that back to the table. Like, I want you to feel okay. what I felt. I, I listen, I, I'm fine with that. I understand. It, it's, I feel it's like you're like fair. an eating challenge guy and there's, there is part of interest. There's like, there's intrigue with you. I think you want to know if you can, if you can conquer it. I have a feeling I'd react the same way you did, but we, we, we will see because I'm sure I'll bet something stupid and lose. So, uh, but we gave out some winners on Friday, Ari. If you if you listen to Friday's show, we said there's a West Virginia line that is a what does Vegas know about this that we don't line. West Virginia was a two and a half point favorite. They wind up winning the game. Uh, there was a, Michigan State was a six point underdog at Miami, and we said take Michigan State in the points or just take the money line because Michigan State's going to win. And it was this final score. If you didn't watch the game, Michigan State looks like they clobbered Miami. That's not the case. It was 17-14 late, but Michigan State really ran away at the end. Yeah, so the, the hardest part with gambling for me is when you ask yourself the question, what does Vegas know? And it's like if you watch the West Virginia-Virginia Tech game, you know, West Virginia hopped out to a 14 nothing lead really, really quickly, but it was just one of those things where Virginia Tech kept shooting themselves in the foot in the most dramatic possible ways. Uh, I think they got inside the 10 yard, the opposing 10 yard line three times and came away with zero points, including the last drive of the game when they were there, where they were there to try to win the game. And it's just like, how do you predict that that's going to happen? Like, how do you predict that a team is going to get inside the 10? I mean, that that one you've watched that you've watched that team quite a bit and you can predict, I, I mean, they've been very inconsistent over the last few years. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess so. It's just like sometimes um, games are just super weird. It's like the same thing, too, with the Illinois game uh, on Friday night. The Illinois game between uh, you know Maryland, Illinois and Maryland Illinois, was yeah. a seven-point spread. That seemed a little low to me. I thought Maryland would be you know much better, especially with their offensive pieces. And it was just a gross game for a half where Maryland couldn't get a first down, and it was like 3-3, and Maryland ended up winning the game with a great comeback at the end. Uh, but they didn't cover the spread. And it's like, how does Vegas know it's going to be a weird game? It's like the weirdness factor that I have a hard time with, but you know, I've learned this year too, because in in the past with me, I've been susceptible to not acknowledging the trap and then sticking my foot in it. I'm trying to say, well, Hey, if this doesn't make sense, then I'm not going to, I'm either not going to play it or I'm going to bet right into it. And like, that's exactly what we did with West Virginia. It didn't make any sense, but we gave out West Virginia and look it hit. And it's like anybody who watched the game knows that Virginia tech was probably the better team or the right side. It just didn't work out for them today. Before we get to Penn State Auburn, which was a very exciting game, great atmosphere, uh, big win for Penn State. They're they're in such a good position now. You think about the way they started their season last year and and what what they were doing now is it's 
night and day difference. But we got to talk about the games that are sort of reframing our expectations for the season. I want and, and Florida, Alabama is one of those. Oklahoma, Nebraska is one of those where I think we can probably say there's not a perfect team this year. There's not a super team this year. Uh, Georgia has probably looked the best of any team, but Alabama got pushed around to the tune of six yards of carry. You know, Alabama jumps out to the 21 to three lead against Florida. And I, I was at the game and Ari, there's a, there's a moment when it's 21 to three, there's a second and 10 play. Emory Jones misses a wide open receiver, just throws it wide of him. The crowd boos. The next play, Dan Mullen calls a, a run right up the middle for Emory Jones, four yard gain crowd boos again. They get bailed out by a pass interference call on fourth and six, and they wind up scoring. And then all of a sudden, everything flips. Florida is beating Alabama at the line of scrimmage, play after play after play, and shutting down Alabama's offense. And, I mean, I'm not used to seeing anybody do that to Alabama. You know, the, the six yards of carry that Florida averaged, the last time anybody averaged that much per carry against Alabama was the 2011 Georgia Southern game when they averaged 7.7 yards of carry. And four years later, Nick Saban had a, uh, a very saucy quote about that game. That's the, the, they went through us like, you know what, through a tin horn. So that's how unusual that Florida game was. And oh, by the way, the guy who is probably Florida's best player did not play. Anthony Richardson would have been the quarterback on the two-point conversion at the end. I don't. There, I have no doubt in my mind of this. He had a bad hammy. If he'd have been available to play, he would have been the quarterback. They'd have gone empty backfield, and he either runs it in or it's a Tebow jump pass, and it would have worked. I've got so many thoughts right now. One, how long was that mesh point? Oh, uh, oh! It was it was it's the Wake Forest one. It's it's I what know, Dave Clawson does. Yeah, <laughs> it it it, la- it felt like it lasted for five minutes, and. Our friend Gabe Eichard, he posted a screenshot of if if Emory Jones just lets Malik Davis take the ball right at the, the start of it, it's Malik Jones walks into the end zone. It was blocked perfectly. And listen, I didn't think I'd be here telling you any play was blocked perfectly by Florida against Alabama. And there were a lot of plays that were blocked perfectly by Florida against Alabama. They, you know, they the- dominated them up front in that second half. It looked pretty when Jamie Newman was doing it. I, I, I it don't did. know. I, I don't know. Uh, you know what the plan is there because if you're hesitating for a second against that team, then you're hesitating for a second too long. Right. But I've got this game to me. I think is the perfect place to kind of really go into this podcast because yeah. I think it's an indication of of one thing, which is if you do the transitive property, everybody sucks. And then we'll get to right. that and what you meant to like. I, think, what I, I believe our friend Dan Wolken wrote that column in USA Today, which is a, as about as Dan Wolken to take as, as, as you're going to get. Yeah, and well, I, I say with that, that with great, great affection for Dan. Yeah. But the other thing I wanted to do is I wanted to talk about Florida for a second before we go into everybody sucks. Florida is the only team over the course of the past two years that has given us an entertaining game. Uh, where we Alabama. felt like the other team could beat Alabama. And it just like Florida's got my respect across the board. But this was a different – it was a completely different game, and that's what makes it interesting because that game against Alabama in the SEC championship game was a shootout. This was a slugfest. And, and they did it in you know, both ways. 
Yes, and and Florida's completely changed their offense. Now, this is very similar to what Dan Mullen ran at Mississippi State, so it's not unfamiliar to him. But as he said after the game, he's just learning how to call plays for, for Emory Jones. And I do think Emory Jones solidified his hold on the starting quarterback job because, you know, there was a lot of noise about, oh, Anthony Richardson needs to start. I don't think Anthony Richardson is going to win the starting job right away. I think he may wind up being the Tebow to Emory Jones's Chris Leak, if that makes sense. Even though they're not as stylistically different as those two, he still might be better in certain situations. One of those like situations would have been the two-point conversion. Yes. yes. Yeah. But it just like to me had me thinking like in order for you to do what Florida did to Alabama, you just physically have to be very good. There's no other yes. way that that doesn't happen by accident. You physically have to be a, a very good football team. And I just and it brings me back. And I know sometimes this might be annoying to people. But like when I think about the recruiting results and how not great it's been for Florida. It's just like I would kill to see Dan Mullen call a game with Alabama's roster, or I would kill to see Dan Mullen, you know, call a game with Clemson or Ohio State's roster, roster, Georgia's roster, because he seems like a hell of a coach, man. I mean, like, you don't that stuff doesn't happen by accident. Right. And it's like at Florida, everything seems to be clicking except the one thing that needs to be clicking. And it's kind of like annoying to me because it's like it's all right there to me. Now this was a night where basically every recruit that Florida really wants was there. And I don't know if that helped. They did lose, but there, there there's a, a, a part of you where you can go in there and say to the, to the player, well, if we had you, we'd have won this game. I think that's Maybe. actually more powerful. And I, I think when a recruit goes to a game, they're looking at the atmosphere. The atmosphere was, at the stadium. was electric. Yeah. And, and it looked like a typical swamp atmosphere. And if you can look at the guy and say, Hey, look how close we are to beating Alabama Add a few of you guys on the roster. We're going to be the new, we're going to be the new Kings of the sec. That's a powerful sales pitch. So like to me, well, I don't always me, think that winning and losing matters that much. Unless it's an embarrassing this, loss. This, I mean, cause after watching Georgia's defense, that first game, I, I was thinking, Oh no, I, it was Florida. I'm not sure they're going to be able to move the ball at all on Georgia. That changes for me. Now, after watching this, because they did move the ball in Alabama. I don't know necessarily what that means against Georgia, but but I look at that and say, you know what? Alabama, Georgia, and Florida may not be at that far apart, the three of them. And, you know, I don't think there's a moral victory in this for Florida. There are plenty that they had a miss miss PAT, they had a dropped interception that would have null, you know, would have eliminated an Alabama score. They had some mistakes that had they not made them, they would have won the game. And and you can crush Dan Mullen if you want for that play call on the two point conversion. I think it re- represents progress that you can because you know I think in the SEC championship game there really wasn't anything Florida people could complain about with their team. They were they were mad about the the call uh, on the fumble on the interception. That was that was the one thing that they kept coming back to. But you couldn't really criticize any play call or anything like that. You could criticize a play call, a mistake here, a mistake there. Florida would have won that game. Like there, there's you know advanced stats that say you know Florida's post game win percentage was was I think eighty eight percent or something like that. Like if 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 you play that game a hundred times, Florida win it, would win it eighty eight times. So that's the thing that Florida needs to be encouraged by, but not 
satisfied with, if that makes sense. Because I, I think I look at that, you know, look, grand scheme, they were going to have to beat Georgia no matter what. Now they just have no margin for error in the other games. Yeah, yeah. I watched the game and I thought to myself, is this Florida being awesome or is this Alabama being susceptible with everybody else? A little bit of both, I think. I think, I think it's a little bit of both. But I do wonder, with a healthy Anthony Richardson, how different does Florida look? Because this, And again, it's hard to say because the two tune-up games were against two pretty bad teams. Florida Atlantic and USF, not very good. But the things he did were shocking. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the, the interesting part about watching this stuff because it's all about context. And we're getting more contextual pieces for for everybody. And it's just like when you look at the teams at, as a whole, obviously Alabama is still the shoe in for being number one. But like your whole call. Really? I mean, this is this is or this maybe is the Georgia. Whole thing. I mean, it's kind of hard to yeah, move I mean, Bama. I don't I don't care what the rankings are right now. They're they're for entertainment purposes only. They'll all, you know, especially with the SEC stuff, they'll all play each other eventually and it, it'll get figured out. I wouldn't have Alabama number one if I were voting in the AP poll. I'd have Georgia number one. Like it's, and I'd move Florida up based on the way they played, but I just move Alabama and Florida closer together. Uh, but I don't think that matters. Like I said, that they will play Florida and Georgia will play. Whoever wins that game will probably play Alabama again. But, but I will say, look at this game. You think Alabama is going to go unscathed through the SEC West? Not if they play the way they did tonight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess just like from a from a ranking standpoint, they don't really matter. Um, it just would be hard to move them down after beating Florida on the road. On the I road. It's just like, you know, it is what it is. I think that I could make a case, and I think we made the case before the season started that Georgia is the best team, you know, and as they continue to start putting up some points and, you know, they're dealing with an uncertain uncertain they look pretty good on offense in South Carolina. Look, so, yeah, South Carolina is you know, not good, but, but JT Daniels look good. Yeah, and and they looked cohesive <laughs> offensively. Yeah, and they, they would be my pick for favorite to win the national championship, and that was the case before the year. But like when you look at the rest of the of the top usual teams here, you know Ohio State is deeply flawed. You know yep. that's a discussion maybe we'll get into later on in the show. But well, let's let's almost- talk about Oklahoma and 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 Nebraska and the game that Nebraska tried to get out of, and then wound up only losing by a touchdown. Yeah, I I was watching that game and waiting for Oklahoma to break it open the entire game. That just never happened. And it's just like, you know, again, with the transitive property, we we look at uh, Nebraska losing to Illinois and then Illinois going on doing what they did. It's just like Nebraska's supposed to be god-awful. We're talking about whether or not Scott Frost is... Yeah. You know, and they they pushed... I I don't know that I ever felt like Nebraska was going to win that game, but they pushed Oklahoma enough where it was, like, uncomfortable... And Oklahoma's had some tough games earlier on in the year, too. And, you know, it hasn't looked that great in two out of the three games. You know, they're, you know, I don't know if, I guess it's a rivalry game or the 50th anniversary of the game of the century. Yeah, or it's not a rivalry wanna, game to these players. Like, I know, Oklahoma I know. should just thrash Nebraska. And they did. But it's just like, and it they looked, like it mattered to Nebraska a lot, though. Yeah. But Oklahoma looks uncomfortable throwing the ball down the field. They it do. looks like they do not trust Spencer Rattler to throw the ball down the field. The way they trusted Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. I agree. I agree. And it's like they have the weapons. I mean, they've got 
Mario Williams. They've got Mim. I mean, they got guys, and Kennedy Brooks is a really good running back. So, you know, it just, to me, do you feel like Oklahoma's a legitimate national championship contender watching them play? No. Do you feel that way about Clemson having lost in, to Georgia and then, you know, we're oh, Clemson, uh, Clemson looked, and I realized there was a long lightning delay, but Clemson looked really bad against Georgia Tech. They don't seem to have the same top-level talent that we've been accustomed to seeing, and it's kind of crazy when you drop uh, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence off the roster. It might be more normal as, as, than you would think. Yeah. Ohio, Ohio State's got but, a laundry list of issues. Like, yeah, this doesn't even look like the, the Kelly Bryant Clemson teams, the, the 2017 one. Yeah, it, it looks worse. We'll be right back after these words. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. You mentioned Ohio State. They messed around again with Tulsa. They, they, they did not look great again. And if I'm the rest of the Big Ten, if I'm Penn State, if I'm Iowa, if I'm Wisconsin, I'm looking at this like, ooh, this might be the year. I think it is. I think that I would say that I do not think that they're going to win the rest of their games, which is not something that I would have probably said a month ago at all. And maybe not something I would have said even a week ago, but they've got inherent defensive issues, um, personnel scheme and coaching, which is, you know, a three pronged problem there. Uh, Their offense it kind of looks like their offense is trying to run the clock out <laughs> against an overmatched team like Tulsa. You know, CJ Stroud had some so maybe some shoulder injury concerns, but he doesn't seem comfortable in in the pocket and you know is afraid to run it seems and you know, just like when you look at the entire team, they just play like they're not having any fun. They're slow, they're discombobulated and it's just like there's something wrong there. Now, the good news for Ohio State is that they have a few weeks of uh, overmatched opponents to try to iron something out. So by the time they get deep into the Big Ten play and have to, you know, play a Penn State, they might figure it out. But as things stand right now, this looks like a nine and three team. This doesn't look like a playoff team at all. 
Um, speaking so I, like to, speaking yeah, of I would Big take Ten out. teams that, that have played overmatched opponents, is Michigan good or do we know anything yet? They look good. They look like they're having fun. They're playing with a certain, I, I don't know how to describe it, but a certain like passion about them. They like the thing I most, I know Washington swag as the kids. Are you allowed to have swag swag? if you you go to Michigan? I don't know. All I know is they were popping helmets off against Washington. They were hitting hard. They're flying to the football. They've got some youthful talent on their team, you know, and I just like, I have fallen into the trap the same way I have with Texas of they're back too early on in the year. And I'm like, still have that Wisconsin game in October circled that we've been talking about of course, to see like where, what they're going to be. But right now it's just like, if Michigan is in a position where they feel like, Hey, we, we need to beat Ohio state just for our sanity, just for the idea that the program can get to where it needs to go. Looking at the way things look right now, you know, Michigan looks like the more, complete confident team now november's a long long way away but <laughs> let's, let's not completely 2018 this sorry yeah i mean I, I don't know i don't know i i look at ohio state and i'm like there is something wrong so if they can fix it that's fine but i don't know if you can fix personnel issues i don't know if you can fix who's calling defensive plays i mean you're not going to fire a defensive coordinator in the middle of the year um you know you can have a lot of changes to make there the, of all the teams that suck quote unquote suck at the top of the rankings i think ohio state's the most flawed in that okay, group so you you were on the, you were on the beat in 2014 was it like this no in the aftermath of the loss to, to virginia tech the loss to virginia tech was kind of like they got stunned by a defense that they weren't prepared for which is crazy enough to say like you're a coach you should be prepared for every defense and they had a quarterback who was unexpectedly thrown into play as a freshman after Braxton's arm fell off, Braxton Miller's arm fell off. So when they turned things around, you know, it was a gradual build and you didn't know that Ohio state was for real until the end of October, but the context has changed too. Ohio state with the way they've recruited in the time since is already a national championship contender before the season starts. You're viewing them as playoff or bust back then the playoff was in its first year. You didn't really view them the way that you'd view them now. So, like, the idea of can this team get back uh, into a situation where it's competing for a national championship and comparing it to 2014, this team is far more discombobulated than the 14 team was. They had to get JT Barrett confident. They had to shore up some things in their defense. But, like, when you look at the talent on that roster, it was all over the place everywhere. And I just don't – I look at Ohio State, and the best things about them are their freshmen. So, like, that might be good for two or three years down the line, but – in my opinion, I completely remove Ohio State from any discussion of winning a national championship this season or even competing. For wow. Well, okay. So that that gets into my theme here. And I wrote a column about this coming off the Florida-Alabama game. I think we're going to get something different this year. And yes, this is all we've been like waiting it. for. We felt like, you know, we, oh, you're going to have to expand the playoff to get something different. But it, it's entirely possible that we might just get something different. So – Maybe Alabama's still in it. Maybe Oklahoma still winds up in the playoff. But I don't see a path for Clemson. You just said you don't think Ohio State gets in. Like, I think we should have a different Big Ten team. Now, there's still there might be two SEC teams. I, I think this this does open the path for two SEC teams. But yeah, it's like right now, I it think, looks like 
the, you're going to have uh, Oregon Alabama and Georgia, Oregon and Oklahoma. That would be new, right? That would be new, but I'm not sure Oklahoma gets there. The way Oklahoma's playing, they they don't go through the Big 12 unscathed, and they may not go through the Big 12 with only one loss. They might they might drop a couple. Yeah. It, as, as as we are talking, uh, Ole Miss is playing Tulane. The third quarter just started. Ole Miss has scored 40 on Tulane already. Like that's how you pound Tulane at home. Oklahoma didn't do anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I. I'm a little wary of the idea that, you know, we're just qualifying teams in mid-September. But this is a oh, podcast. Oh, I know. And we're not really disqualifying. Clemson. I see a path. They're not losing again in a weak ACC. The one-loss uh, conference champion at the I'm end of the year. Sure, I'm not sure that. they go undefeated in the ACC, though, the way they're playing. Which team is the biggest? You mean, somebody will sneak up and get them? They all, look, it's like, Georgia Tech was within six points of them at Clemson. Tonight, yeah. Most of the ACC is better than Georgia Tech. Yeah. Wake Forest is better than Georgia Tech. NC State's better than Georgia Tech. North Carolina is better than Georgia Tech. Now I don't know. They so don't you're play just like basically season. picking the field. There's no game that you'd be like, this is the no, trouble. No, there's game. no specific game like yeah. Boston College. I know gave him trouble last year, and and their their quarterback's good, but no, I I don't know that there's a specific game, but. If they're just not that capable on offense, every game's going to be hard for them. You know, yeah. that Georgia Tech game was hard for them, and they th- that was that was an opponent that they just blew away most times. Like that's not it's not an opponent that typically gives them trouble. So that's the part where where I wonder how that goes. But Alabama, the same way, the way Alabama played at Florida. Alabama still got to play Ole Miss. They got to play Texas A&M. They got to play the the Auburn team we saw in Happy Valley that that you know didn't look great, but gave Penn State a great a great game. And Penn State's a pretty good team. Like, are they gonna get? They got to play the Arkansas team that crushed Texas. Like, are they gonna get through unscathed? I don't know. And maybe this was just Alabama's worst game. I have no idea, but. They looked more vulnerable than they have looked in a long time. I mean, usually at this point of the season, though, you're seeing 70 to 10 Clemson scores. Ohio State's yes. winning 63 to 14. You know, you're you're looking at a bunch of teams and you're saying, hey, you know, you've got four superpowers and will one of them happen to lose? And it's just like, I don't know if you wanted to put a thousand bucks of your own money down if any of the teams that are unbeaten or are now entering conference play, you would take them to go undefeated in their conference. Speaking of all this, could this be the year that a good group of five team, undefeated, of course, gets in? Because Cincinnati got a tough game from Indiana, but pulled away at the end. They're playing Notre Dame in a couple weeks. They're at Notre Dame. Nothing Notre Dame has done suggests that they can beat Cincinnati. Well, I told you on the show earlier this week that I thought that Notre Dame was, or I mean, uh, Cincinnati was going to beat both of them. So I was a little bit sweaty uh, when uh, Cincinnati was, was down pretty Indiana big in the Indiana game. game. Indiana played a pretty good game, yeah. Um, but now I, I don't even know what the spread's going to be next week, and I guess we could try to make it up right now. But I would, I'm taking Cincinnati with any points next week. I would bet that that Notre Dame will be favored, but by less than a touchdown. 
Yeah, I'm taking any points, whether it's two or seven. Yeah, it, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. Uh, let, let's get to the Penn State Auburn game. Uh, we were, you and I were texting during the game, and you you basically said, "What what's the difference between these teams? Are they, 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 this is the same team, right?" Yeah, the same program and the same stature in their conferences, and they both have the same main color. I I think it was clear that Penn State was the better football team, and you know I think sometimes too we get so bogged down by the national championship context that we forget that the second tier teams in these conferences are putting on a show in a packed stadium on Saturday night. And I just thought that game was fun as hell, you know, and you never, those, that those will be potential playoff teams when there's a 12 team playoff. Right. And, and, and none of the United now both make it, but one, a team like one of those teams is getting into a 12 team playoff. And that's, that's where I think that makes that even even more exciting because that type of game, which we're going to see more of because they're going to schedule more good out-of-conference games because you're going to be able to lose games and make it, that type of game could be a playoff elimination game in the future. Right. And that, I mean, and that game in its current form was fun as hell. Imagine that. Now, I don't want to take Penn State out of the national championship no, discussion right now 10. because they can win the big yeah. 10 they've done it before and they've beaten ohio state teams that were better than than this one and played them pretty closely so you know penn state is a tough game for ohio state every year and i can't imagine what that game's going to be like if penn state's confident and ohio state's running in 19 different directions so you know they're still firmly alive in it but you know to see them an sec team go north is something that we don't see very often and to watch them play in a stadium like that in a game that was nationally televised was just a really fun game to watch. And, you know, I was, thought Penn State played a really good game and probably could have won by even more if they didn't have some weird ref calls kind of get in the way. Yeah, there, but, there were some odd, odd calls. The, the really, I mean, Penn State played a basically mistake-free game. There was the Clifford interception there at the end of the first half. They probably could have tacked on some more points. But... They they made fewer mistakes than than Auburn did. Auburn had a, a key fumble, and the 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 play call uh, the the fade call on fourth and goal was atrocious. And listen, I, I will I will channel all of the Auburn fans who you know laughed at the Georgia fans for years when they were like, "Run the damn ball, Bobo." Well, now you know how it feels. Now you know how it feels when you got a. a a tank Bigsby who's who's running the ball well. Hunter, who is basically Mario on that drive, like jumping over the the Goombas or uh, or jumping over the the Venus flytraps. Uh, or Bo Nix, who is very good with his legs. Like that. Don't you want to? Don't you at least want to see? That's Bo a spot Nicks for re- a read option right there. Maybe not the <laughs> slow mesh one for the Florida game, but that's the spot. You at least want to see Nix roll out and have multiple options. You know. Yes. Yes. The fade that not not I mean Bo Nix is not known for his drop back prowess. So why would you put him in that position? I mean basically you're hoping a PI gets called, which it's not ironic, but remember Penn State gets backed up on the goal line after that and you think Auburn might be able to to you know sack Clifford for a safety or or something like that and suddenly get back in the game, but but what happens? They throw it up to Dotson, PI and they're out of trouble. Which I think is what if you're that is what Auburn was trying to do on the goal line to draw a PI on fourth and goal on the road like that. Then 
walk home. You're, That's what my buddy it, Bill Landis right. tweeted, and it's, it's true. It's, it's like, a come on, try to score. Yeah, uh, do, and, and, and do what you do well. You have two incredible backs. Your line is blocking well. Your quarterback runs well. You you got to give yourself a chance. Oh man, I, it's like the, the fade at the goal line and the wildcat. Oh, and, and by the I, way, I, who's covering on that play? Isn't the most athletic player on Penn State? Jaquan Brisker. <laughs> I think Jaquan Brisker is my favorite player in the in the country this year. He's just um, like he he was unbelievable against Wisconsin, and he was great again against Auburn. Yeah, you don't throw at the other team's most agile player when the game's on the line from the two yard line. Um, yeah, it's like sometimes it's like Penn State deserved to win the game, and it was a weird way that it ended. But you know, I guess it just kind of worked out for the best because that's kind of the way it should have probably gone. So, you know. You got a you got another national championship contender in the Big Ten, so you know it just kind of gives but, us but a little. This is this is so much fun because the, uh, okay, right now, if I told you Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, Wisconsin won the Big Ten at the end of the year, you'd believe me. The what? If I told you. Florida, Georgia, Alabama, or Texas A&M won the SEC this year. You'd believe me. I would, yeah. I mean, the, the Big 12, if Oklahoma doesn't get right, there's probably four teams that could win the Big 12. Don't put your hook them down. <laughs> yeah, house by Arkansas. Come on. I'm just teasing you. <laughs> But but uh, it is yeah I mean, you're right that that's where we're at this feels completely different okay let me let me ask and I'm you not convinced I, that Oregon's going to win the Pac-12 by the way I'm not either I'm not not totally convinced either I want to see them I want to see them do this consistently uh, what know? if UCLA is my sneaker Pac-12 pick and I think as we're recording this right now UCLA is losing to Fresno State by ten so you know do do with that as you will I, I'm not betting UCLA again <laughs> this year so <laughs> even yeah. though I, I did I did. You know, find a culinary treat in the the peel on banana. But have you eaten another one so like let, that in your own yes. time? Yeah, I did it in, uh, to show my kids. They <laughs> they were like, "You wouldn't really. You're not going to do it again." I was like, "Oh yeah, I will." And I did. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. I have a theory. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is why this is happening. The teams that are at the top. Everybody who was going to go into the draft went into the draft because the teams at the top produce the highest draft picks. And of course, you were going to go if you're going to be drafted high. But everybody who was kind of borderline, who had an extra year because of the, the mulligan, stayed. And it raised the level of play for those teams that were slightly below and got them that much closer to the ones that are above. I mean, it'd be an interesting case study if you saw how many super seniors or how many people who were fringe, like if you like added it up and, and just did the upsets and saw it, that that would, you know, I, I think that on theory, that makes a lot of sense. It'd be cool to kind of get the numbers on that. Yeah. We, got, like was, we need to find out. And, and this is, this is hard to quantify is how many guys who probably would have been fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounders came back because those are really good college players usually. 
Those are quality oh, starters sure. on a college team. And if you get two or three of those that you didn't think you were going to have, your Changes team your is a team. lot better. I yeah. remember when I was doing the TCU state of the program, I was just uh, having a conversation with Gary Pat Gary Patterson because I was reporting it, and Gary told me that he said it's impossible for them to know how good their team is going to be in the Big 12 because it's impossible to quantify how these super seniors are going to make these teams how much better they're going to make these teams. They're deeper. That's another thing, too, depth-wise. It might not just only be a yes. fourth, fifth, sixth-round pick. You might have somebody on your bench that comes in when somebody's injured or somebody who's playing depth snaps that is much better than the person otherwise would have been. Nick Saban, Nick Saban after the game said that Alabama needs to, to find more players capable of playing that they're comfortable putting in the game. I mean, if you saw Will Anderson after the game, like there was con- genuine concern that he was really hurt. And he's like, no, I'm just tired. It's really tired. And, and the yeah. Alabama defensive front looked completely gassed by the end of the game. So they've got to find more guys to rotate in. And that means playing more young guys, but that means risking more mistakes from young guys. So I do you would think, think that Alabama of any team would not be in that position. But they, but how many guys did they lose in the draft last year? I know, I, mean, I know, yeah, and that's why I think the two of us thought they were overrated coming into the year. It was overrated as you, meaning number one instead of number two. Right. But well, it's, it's like when they're when the over unders came out and their over under was eleven and a half, and and we immediately said pick the under because yeah, it's like something's that team, gonna happen. It would be hard. It's hard enough to go twelve and zero anyway, but given everything they lost. I mean, 11 and one is a perfectly reasonable record for them. And it still puts them in the sec championship game. Probably. Yeah. Also just to let everybody know that uh, Ole Miss scored again. So they're on pace for, Oh no, no, no. Ole Miss has scored twice, twice since the last twice time in I the said third something. quarter. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. 54 points with 11 minutes to go in the third quarter. Yeah. Ole Miss Alabama is going to be a, a, an Banger. absolute rager. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. I might, see, I might see if they'll let me go to Oxford for that one. Yeah. Okay. Man, yeah, that's this is but this is great because I'm I'm hoping now that this will lend to more middle tier games being more important. You know, yes. the, the maybe the Auburn Penn State game will look back in a month from now and say, "Holy crap, that game meant the world." Now it's not going to determine well, anybody's and, and, conference and, you know, race. Like what's what's Texas A and M Ole Miss going to mean? Right. What's Arkansas Texas A and M is next week? That game sounds really good right now. It does, yes. And this is fun. I think the sport needs this. And I think yes. I think they need it in a way that it's not manufactured. I think it natural no, is it, what makes it best. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I think they're going to expand the playoff just because there are conferences that, that just need that. And you and I have covered over and over the reasons recruits cluster at these top schools and how that may not change. And, and so – this this year may be an anomaly, but let's enjoy it if that's what it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? When's the last time we had a had a year like this? I mean, I don't. Even I don't know, know that's going to. It's not going to go full two thousand seven, but the the Florida State Auburn year felt like that. Now Florida State was really good the whole year long, but Auburn at this point in that season, in that two thousand thirteen season, if if you'd told somebody Auburn was going to win the SEC and play for the national title, they would have said you were insane. And they also had the greatest player of our generation, maybe, right? Nick Marshall? What year did you just say? 2013. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> but like, I, I honestly, I just don't know. I just don't know what, like, it's just like, if it's going to be different, how different? Cause it's like yeah. Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson is certainly a, a, a potential. I mean, all the teams yeah. are a potential, but I was like, I want to see Oregon. Mm-hmm. I want to see. And maybe Oklahoma grows up like Oklahoma this time last year. Wasn't very, very good either. Yeah, and it's like Iowa State. Great by the end of last season. Iowa State is, I mean, they got thumped a little bit by Iowa, but, you know, they have uh, a history of losing non-conference games, and the next thing you know, it's November, and they've only lost one game. You know, it's like Iowa State is a one-loss conference champion as an attractive playoff candidate. You know, and if these teams don't get things together, you know, you're opening the door for somebody to walk through there. But, you know, the group of five, too, it's like in a year – in a year like this, too, because every mm-hmm. single year we do this to ourselves where we we try to make fetch happen with the group of five teams. <laughs> but it's like in a world where there are no elite teams and people are middling around the way that they are right now, Cincinnati is is beating Indiana and maybe not anymore because Indiana's had a rough go of it this year. But beating Indiana and Notre Dame in back-to-back weeks enough to make Cincinnati a legitimate national championship contender or playoff well, contender it, if they're undefeated at the end of the year? Well, and here's the thing. It's not supposed to matter what happened last year, but I, I guarantee you it does because Cincinnati did this last year. And so whether the playoff committee members actually want to take that into account or not, they're, they're not supposed to, but I bet it will be in the back of their minds. Yeah, they're human. Cincinnati did this so, last yeah. year. Cincinnati went toe to toe with Georgia in the Peach Bowl and looked like they belonged on the field. Like that, you you can't you can't say that there's a the way that you view a team is completely impacted by how you feel about them and how you feel about them is impacted by how they did last year. Yes, so I know that true. it's like not the same criteria, but there are inherent biases that are just innate in how we think about teams. And like I think the way that I think about Cincinnati now is certainly impacted by how good they were a year ago and the fact that they still have Ritter back. Well, and that's that's the thing. And it's like UCF the year after they went undefeated, they were higher in the rankings the the whole time. They were given they were afforded more respect and they, they still make the playoff, but it felt like they were they were more respected that second time around. Yeah. So I, I mean I think also Cincinnati's it's, in that boat. It impacts teams that are also in the playoff all the time. I think if you go back and you look at, 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 even when I was covering Ohio state for the few years that I was, they were left out one year. And then the following year they were brought in and they, they were left out the wrong year and brought in as a makeup in the right, in the right year. And it's just like, if they would have flipped it, maybe Ohio state would have won a national championship, but they, they kept trying to, you know, make up for the past. I feel like, and I know they would never say that in a million years, but it's just part of the deal. So, and I, you know what? I don't even hate that. If that became part of the criteria, I wouldn't even hate it. Like if, if somebody, if it leaked that Cincinnati went undefeated this year and they got in the playoff last this year, because they were pretty good last year too, I'd be like, fine. Cause it's real. It's not, it's, I mean, that's, that's why an Alabama gets the benefit of the doubt in 2017 because they were pretty good the last, you know, six years before that, you know, because all these committee members want for that. Is that when they when they finally set the field that they'll get good games, so it looks right. like they were right, right. And that, it, interestingly enough, 
the two most controversial number four choices won the national championship. Yeah. So I, that, that, that does reflect well on them, but I, I just, I can't wait for this. Ari. This is, this is going to be so much fun. Everybody being back in the stadiums has, has really just sort of changed the way that the season feels anyway. And I think we would have been, we would have been happy with this and thrilled with the way the games are going anyway. But the fact that there are so many teams with real genuine hope to compete for a national title right now makes it a lot of fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. And every week the Penn state Auburn games are going to be more and more exciting and it's going to mean more and not just in the sec. It's going to mean more to all of right. us. So everywhere. Uh, everywhere. Yep. Yeah. And I am, I am looking forward to to still watching the big dogs and see how they react to it. I'm looking forward to seeing how good Alabama is. I want to see if well, Ohio right, State can play themselves out of this rut. At least one of those teams that we're talking about is going to improve dramatically over the season and just be murdering people at the end. Like, we know that. They have too much talent to not do that. But I do think our, our theory may hold where there are going to be some teams that are just that close to them and – Given the right set of circumstances, they're they're gonna or there's gonna be a player who changes things. Like again, I, I I go back to Florida. Anthony Richardson didn't play against Alabama. What if he's healthy when they play Georgia? How different is that? Is it different at all? Because again, we don't yeah. know because he's he's not played anybody good yet. But like that that possibility is so exciting to think. You about. also too have to take into account that it is completely within the realm of possibility that we will be asking the committee members on a conference call in November. How do you view Florida's loss when Richardson wasn't playing against Alabama? If they go out and beat Georgia, Ooh, you know, like these are that. the types of things too. It's just like one of their best, he could be their best player on their team in, in two months. He didn't play yeah. against Alabama. They lost by two at home. How does the committee take that into account? You know, yeah. the same way that the committee takes all sorts of injuries into account, even when your exactly. team loses, like when Ohio State lost to Oregon without the two best players, that has to matter. So, like, there's a Ari, lot of Ari almost just scored again. <laughs> they did. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think wow. they will get to a hundred? Because Lane Kiffin's the kind of person that will go for it, right? <laughs> he might do it. I don't know. Uh, Tulane did put the. Uh, you know, Tulane was a member, a founding member of the SEC. They left the league in the '60s. But they did win, I believe, three SEC championships, and they've commemorated those championships on their helmet. And it is, is a, a shot, basically, at Ole Miss because Tulane has more SEC championships in its history than Ole Miss. That and logo is tremendous, isn't it? It is. It is tremendous. But I, I think, I do think Lane might try to score a hundred just because of that. I'm here for it. <laughs> I, I almost want to stay on the podcast until <laughs> until he does, but we pr we've probably kept people long enough. They probably need to eat their breakfast on a Sunday morning and, and start getting ready for NFL games. But Ari, this, this is this was a really fun Saturday, and I think I think it probably sets the stage for even bigger ones down the road. And I I, I cannot tell you how excited I am about that. And the thing that's best about it, Andy, is that. It was such a great, entertaining Saturday when there wasn't a lot of hype to the matchups. You know, there were a few good right. matchups here or there, but that's what the best Saturdays in college football a lot of times are the ones that don't have the six top yeah. 15 matchups out there. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it 
I thought that was a very entertaining day, and I think it's going to be a, a pretty revealing day when it's all said and done. All right. Let's do it. Football and Grits on Monday. We will be back on Wednesday, and Ari will be back on Friday. Ari, we got to make another bet. So start thinking about what games, what lines move you, because I will. We got we got to come up with something. Yeah, I, you're eating that shit before the season's over. I'm telling you. <laughs> you're laughing now. You're you really enjoyed yourself, but what all, a wise man once told me: it all comes back around in the morning, and you're in the sun's coming up on your end. So. <laughs> It's just, uh, I do not doubt that I I will lose at some point and and I will suffer, but I'm not sticking my finger in my eye. Hopefully, (laughs) you know, now that you mention it, I had a little burning sensation, like on my skin around. I was very close to really being in a bad spot there Mm -hmm. and you shouldn't, it's like everyone's, everybody was like, why don't you take your gloves off right after you, right after you, and it's just like, I'm sorry, my face is on fire. My brain stopped working. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's fine. Uh, I'm 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 genuinely curious to know how it feels, but I don't want to know. I I, I want to thank the the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers again for beating Kansas by 27 and covering a 26 and a half point spread. So I didn't have to do it that time. But yeah, we're probably gonna find a line where Ari and I were gonna are gonna be on opposite sides of it, and I may have to eat the chip. Now the question is, what is Ari gonna have to do? Because I'm going to get the easy way out and I have to eat the banana peel. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We just flip it. That's that's fine. I, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that. Because bananas are a big texture food. The banana peel may make you barf. I don't it know. It does seem kind of gross, to be honest. All right. Okay, so that's it. We'll figure out what the line is. If I lose, I'm eating the death chip. If you lose, you're eating the banana peel and all. We're doing it. it. Who says we're we have to be original? We don't need to be original. Run it back. Remix. I think it. everybody wants to see you eat it. Let's be honest. Everybody wants to see you eat it. So, if, if and if it doesn't move the needle for the banana peel, we can come up with something else. But I think that you eating the chip is going to be hilarious. And it's like you're I think also you might kind of hate a freak the banana. So, yeah, you're, I think you might hate the banana. So I, I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we'll see what what lines uh, strike us for next weekend, and I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do to get some mischief going. All right. We will talk to you again soon.